Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Joining me in the studio today is a very nervous Carly Maddy. <laughs> Hello. You are the life and soul of this radio station since you walked in. You're the brightest button I've ever come across in my life. Life seems to be fun for you, but you're 25 years of age and you've been given a diagnosis of a very rare form of breast cancer. And this is why you're here today, because so many young people, particularly young girls, obviously, around the country are thinking, this is something that will never affect me. Like cervical cancer. You don't think a 24 or 23 cervical cancer is ever going to affect you. You think of older women. And you think of women in their middle ages. When you were, before you were diagnosed, did the thoughts of breast cancer ever come into your head? The thoughts of breast cancer, it was never a thing in my mind. Never? Like, it was never something Did you even check? Like, you know the way you're supposed to check and do all the bits and pieces? You know, every day you get up and have a quick feeling. Did you even do any of that? Never. Absolutely not. It was only when um, a girl in school, an older girl than me in school, was saying that she had a pain in her chest and she was worried about it. And I was like, why are you worried about it? And she was like, Carly, because breast cancer. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we weren't educated on this in school. Nobody sat us down and said, oh, listen, if there's any pains in your chest, if you notice any lumps, anything like that, we were never told, like, oh, it could be breast cancer. Never, ever. Mm-hmm. It was just something that was never brought up. Like, Yeah, and what what was the first sign for you? I mean, did, did, were you ill beforehand? Did you notice that you were becoming tired? Or what was the first signs that you thought, oh, something's wrong? The first signs were... I got a pain in my chest about a year and a half ago. I had noticed it started coming up. Like was it a pain or an uncomfortableness? A shooting pain. Okay, like right, if okay. if somebody gave me a cuddle or if somebody was sitting too close to me and like leaned over on me, like I'd jump. It was like a jolt of pain okay. right up me, up me chest. Right, okay. And I knew that something wasn't right then, and but I ignored it for a very long time. I just kept on pushing it off and if someone went to squeeze me, I'd just kind of pull away like because I knew what was going to happen. And did you even go to the doctor where you'd be in the Billy Big, you know what, and saying, ah, oh, I'm Grant, I'm yeah, Grant. that one on the backburn, I'm just like, no, I'm Grant. Not it'll go me. away, it'll go away itself. Yeah, yeah, no, it's nothing, it's absolutely nothing. Like so you just then. assumed it was muscular or something like that? Didn't you? even assume I'm at another. Why waste 50 quid on a doctor? Get <laughs> me, I've yeah. got things to be buying. So <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. didn't bother. Because of course you, I mean... I mean, some people have referred to you as an influencer. You don't like that title yourself because you don't believe you're an influencer. You have a lot of followers on Instagram uh, and you have this wonderful long, the, as you call them, your ginger locks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you would have been, are you, a self, are you a self-conscious person? Would you have been very self-conscious? Would I have been Image-wise, yeah. Yeah, more so than now. Do you, but wait, do you look back at that and regret that? Um, and say, I, what, yeah. I was an Egypt. Why didn't I? Like, I look back at pictures of myself now and I'm like, oh my God, you were lovely. Like, why, <laughs> why didn't you like I did you pictures like of you. You were lovely. Ah, thanks very much. No, but I genuinely, I look back now and I'm like, you were so cute and you had your little hair and you have, like, you're you. Like, you. And all these people loved you and they loved you for what you were, but they loved you, I think, more so for your sense of humour, probably. Yeah, as well, absolutely. Yeah, no, I never, I don't think anybody would have ever been drawn to me over how I looked, not on the slightest. I think that if anybody has ever drawn to me, it's over how I am as a person like that. I'd be quite bubbly and quite like, I'm a messer. Do you know yeah, the way? Yeah. And I think that people are kind of drawn to people like that. And well, I hope that's why people like me. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the pain, did it get worse? Yeah. Okay, it, and when, when was that, roughly what age were you there when that pain got started um, and got worse? That pain started, I would have been coming to the end of 23. Yeah. I would have been coming to, and then obviously as time went on it worsened, but like that. Did, you did just... breast cancer ever enter your head? No. Did, did I mean, did any kind of serious, you didn't even think to yourself this could be a serious illness. I was just like, I have a lump and I think it's a cyst and I never even did thought. You, did you find the lump yourself? Did you feel it and yeah. you found the lump? Yeah, I okay. found the lump. But it was like, then over time went on, it kind of started to go from one singular lump into like a cluster. 
Okay. It was all kind of joined and then and then it was coming to the point where it decided my chest was like stiff, like it was hard. Okay, all right, okay. And I was like, no, this this definitely isn't normal. At that point, you didn't. You know, I need to go and see somebody about yeah. this. Yeah. Okay, so so you went to your own doctor, I'm assuming, first. I went to my GP first. Yeah. She had done a general check of me and she was like, oh no, I think that's uh, fibroadenomas. They're like dead cysts. They're not Yeah, fibroids, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she thought that that was what they were and she was like, look, we'll send it. Because like you, she's thinking tw- 23 years of age, this could, this probably not breast Why would cancer. this be a thing? Do you yeah. know that way? Now, I went when I was the first time I went to my GP, I was 24 and um, she sent me onto the breast clinic just to reassure me, as you do, like just to say, look, you're all right, we'll, we'll see what the story is. Went into the specialist in the breast clinic. He had a fail, the general check as well. Yeah. No, I think you're fine. Like, Carly, you're walking out here today and you're not on the top of my worry list. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Like, And were you worried at that stage? Were you starting to get a bit panicky or jittery? Did you start thinking to yourself the worst? You know, when you start, when you get a pain, you start thinking, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know that? I'm a bit like that. I get paranoid. Pain, that must be me liver. I'm going to die. And then you start Googling and all the <laughs> oh, that's exactly. something I didn't do. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> ever Google anything. No, don't, because you'll literally be told you're going to pass there and then. So yeah. I didn't bother Googling that. But even after you checked me chest, the specialist checked me chest, I was like, listen, I, I don't know. Like He was like, right, well, then we'll send you for an ultrasound just to reassure you again. Right, okay. So I went for the ultrasound, and during the ultrasound, I could just hear a man on the monitor being like, and I was like, oh, what was, why are you now? Yet? And he was like, we need to get Carly a biopsy, like, now. And I was like, what, oh, what in God's name is a biopsy? So you knew something serious was going yeah, down. Yeah, I knew that something was happening because his face dropped when we were looking at the monitor. And I could notice there was like this little orb kind of thing. Right, and okay. it looked different to the whole rest of it. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. So he got the biopsy done. Then I was waiting for, I think it was about a week and a half for the result back off that. So it was like waiting for your leaving set results, was it? Do you know what? It was the lump so much wasn't frightening me because at that time they weren't expressing any concern for me. They have to say to keep it under wraps. It was just, let's just, let's just check it just to be sure. They don't ever want yeah. to frighten you. Do you know that way? So they were like, oh no, it's fine. We're just going to send it off and la la la. So they sent it off and it came back and it turns out that it was just a lump. They, we don't think it's anything serious, but it was 3.4 centimetres and a lump has to be removed when it's four centimetres anyway. So they said, look, we're going to take it out. Because there's be no sure. point in leaving it there. Yeah. yeah. So that was when I had the lumpectomy. That was on the 30th of August. And I was supposed was that, to... Was that a painful surgery or... Um, not more niggly than that. And I had to get a wire um, put into my chest beforehand so they could pinpoint where the cyst was when they went in surgically. So that was un- uncomfortable. But oh, right, okay. that, like the, the recovery after it, there was no okay, time. Okay, so it was kind of keyhole surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was okay. a small one. So that was the 30th of August. And then they were to ring me a week later with the results. So they rang us and they were like, oh, we haven't got the results back yet. And we were like, okay, no problem. They'll ring us back next week, rang back the next week. We haven't got the results yet. And then I, straight away, I was like, no. You start panicking. There's something's, something wrong. Yeah, something's going on. They're here, getting ma. second opinions on this. This is the thing. I mean, ma, I was like, no, 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 they're just double checking. I goes, but ma, they knew straight away all the other times. I was like, I think it's a bit. Now, I said the first week, fair enough, they didn't know, but this is week two. So then it went on. Week three, look, we we don't have the results back. It's not happening. So me and my mum had went on holidays then, and she got a phone call. When what she was that there. holiday like? Were you thinking about this now all the time? Or were you able to put it out of your mind a bit? Not really, because I had had the lumpectomy, so it was kind of a conscious thing. I couldn't get in the pool and stuff because it was, my chest was wrapped. So it was a thing that I was thinking about because every time my mum was like, you can't do that. Because yeah. I had the wrapping on, so it was in my head, like it was something that I was thinking about. And she had come up from the pill one day and she was like, they're after ringing me. So I knew something was wrong when they didn't directly contact me because obviously they didn't want to frighten me. So they rang me mom instead. Mm-hmm. So they were just like, look, we're after sending the biopsy off for specialised testing. Oh, sorry, not the biopsy, the lump for specialised testing in James's. 
because we think there's there's something iffy with it. There's something we need to investigate it. Yeah, and then that was when they called us in for to come in on the first of October, so they could speak to us, and then that was when. So you're brought into the the room, as they say. Yeah, yeah. What was that moment like when you walked into that room and okay, you knew you weren't going to get good news, probably. Yeah, yeah. That was in your head anyway. Absolutely. See, I'd accepted. I had told me, man, now I know I know I have breast cancer. This is when they rang us to come in for the results. She was like, No, you don't. They're gonna bring us in and say that they just Because normally if there's nothing wrong, they'll tell you over the phone. This is the thing. But I just kept on saying no. And I don't want to frighten people out there by the way, she's been called in by a doctor recently. But normally if there's nothing wrong, when you're in your GP, the same thing. If there's nothing wrong, they'll just tell you over the phone. Yeah, they can give you a little wave and be like, Ah, look, you're all right. Yeah. But this was I know we needed to come in and speak. So I said to me, Master, I have a strong feeling that I have breast cancer. Like I said it about after the second week, after they rang the second week and told us that the results weren't coming back, I was like, "Ma, look, I think it's breast cancer." Like, I really so you know. sat, you, you sat down with your ma, yeah, and she was in the room with you, yeah. And the doctor was a male or female? Male, okay. oh, amazing. He's okay. a phenomenal surgeon. Oh, he's just fantastic. But he's like that. He's quite empathetic. Where a lot of surgeons wouldn't be, they wouldn't tie any sort of. Like, they wouldn't feel sympathy towards it in any way. They're very blunt and straight in their ways. But they have to be in their line of work. Like, I totally understand that. Yeah. But, and how blunt was he? What did he say I, to you? He wasn't at all. Like, we walked in. And I, I knew, but my ears were ringing. Right. Me, at that stage, I was like, no, I don't Like I don't want to hear what he has to say. And we sat down in front of him. And he just pushed a little file across the table to me. And he was like, Carly, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, God. I looked at my mommy. And I was like, what do you mean you're sorry? And he opened the file. And he was like circle and stuff and I looked at the bottom of it and I was like I have breast cancer and he was like Now to explain to people this is an extremely rare form of breast cancer that you have Extremely rare There's only two other cases that we know of Two other cases that my oncologist is looking at and it's one in Italy and one in Japan Okay and what is the name of is there a name on it? Yeah secretory carcinoma it's called it's actually it was first of all called um, a children's cancer like it was found in like prematurely it was found in younger people Mm -hmm. And then obviously it's progressed, but I'm quite young for this cancer to be in me, so it's still kind yeah. of that, you know, that way. Yeah, but it, but it is still breast cancer anyway. And yeah. in relation to how you got this, or did did did, you, did the doctor have a conversation about you know how you ended up with it? I mean, did they say it's obviously genetic, or is it lifestyle, or is it something you've eaten, or something you've taken, or something you're doing, or is it? Did they give you a reason why? Because everybody wants a reason, don't they? They want to know well, how did this happen to me? Absolutely, you want to know exactly what you've done for this to happen to you, or have you made it happen, or is it just yeah. a, like a genetic thing? There's no explanation for it. It, my body has things. just created this thing on its own mm-hmm. and there's no explanation for it it's not diet related it's not hormone related this has just found itself in my body and that's it there's not enough research done on it we've no research to go off so they're looking at the case files from different like cases Countries, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it that's, that's all we have to go off so we're all spitballing we don't know what this is or why it happened and was that like a dream to you? When you walked out of that room that day and you were going home with your mama in the car or the bus or whatever? Yeah, whatever, no, whatever. yeah my mom drove me home. I go, oh, I wouldn't be getting on the bus after that. <laughs> nerves. So you, you went home in the car that day, right, with your mom. Were you like just staring out the window in a trance or were you all talk about it or was your mom, don't worry, Carly, it'll be grand, we'll sort it out. I mean, because that's what mams say anyway. Yeah. They always yeah. say, right? Yeah. But was it like a dream? Was that like a dream going home that day? Yeah, it was It was very silent. There wasn't a lot to be said between the two of us, to be fair. Like, it was just kind of... What can you say? Me poor ma. No, me poor ma. Like, I was, I honestly took it very well. Like, I cried for approximately a minute, if even. Like, it was just real. I had a little wind, and then I was like, right, what have we got to do? Whereas me ma's poor face was waxed. Like, I could tell by looking at her. 
that she was just in a different You're world. a baby, that's yeah, why. Well, yeah, well, I'm the youngest. There's two of us and I'm yeah. the youngest now. I'm 25, but still, <laughs> You're still our, baby. our baby. Do you know that way? So yeah. she was in an absolute heap. God love her. And my heart broke because I was looking at her. You're, more worried, about, you're about more worried about her. Oh, absolutely wasn't and thinking about me. And my poor brother then was in work yeah. when... Um, when I got diagnosed when he had told me so my mum had to contact my brother and he's a very emotional being God love him like that males never usually admit to emotions around like that mm-hmm. my brother's not like that he'd be a very proud person and he'd have no problem admitting when he was feeling bad and God love him it just broke him do you yeah. know that way like he's he didn't, find it, he didn't find it easy to cope with himself so I was just thinking but it's not easy to cope with, with news like that that's devastating like that yeah. and I, I don't want to talk about the prognosis because let's be positive about this yeah. uh, for the future for you yeah but what's it been like? Obviously, you're going through chemotherapy at the moment. Yeah, I'm going through chemo. I got my first chemo on the 19th of December. Okay. Um, it actually went really well. You're supposed to get all these mental side effects. Now, they do warn you of everything, just so mm-hmm. you're on the ball. And if it does happen, you know, you know. But um, the only side effect that I got from it was fatigue. Like, that was a major side effect that I got. And I think one of the days I felt a little bit swollen. Like, my hands felt a little bit swollen one of the days. But that was genuinely it, which I'm so lucky. I wasn't, like, nauseous. I wasn't getting sick. I was fine. Like, mm-hmm. But then on the 2nd of January, um, I felt sick. I woke up really, really ill. And we had to go to the hospital. You have to go through the A&E, unfortunately, oncology patients. Yeah. You have to go through the A&E, regardless of the situation. So I had to go into the matter, into the A&E, and it turns out that my neutrophils are rock bottom. The white blood cells just weren't there. Yeah. And if I had gotten a sickness or an infection, that would have been extremely dangerous to my yeah. body at that stage. Particularly this time of the year where there's so many flus and coughs and, and colds going well, on. There's measles, mumps, there's lots going around. Yeah. So yeah. it was quite dangerous. And that dose going around as well was shocking. So Are you conscious of that? Are you like, do you feel like the boy in the bubble, so to speak? I feel, I feel like I should have been more conscious. <laughs> I feel like I should have been the boy in the bubble because I was floating around. And I was like, I'm fine because I didn't feel ill. Yeah, I was like, I'm grand. Nothing's going to happen to me. Like, And even my mum said that we were... We were quite naive to the whole sickness thing and we didn't really think too much into it. But now like that, if anybody is coughing or sneezing or anything, there's a mask going on you when you come into the house. Like, sorry yeah. about it, but yeah. you just can't be there. Should I be wearing a mask here? No, no, no. Come here if it, it would have been me otherwise. But um, no, we're just so much more conscious about where I go and I won't go to build up places. Yeah, um, so you stay away from crowds, essentially. This is it, yeah. basically, because I can't afford to get sick. They won't do me next chemo, so. Okay. So, and, and generally, how do you, how things go? Have you spoke to your doctor since? You obviously have. Yeah. On many occasions. Yeah. And how does he think it's going? Is he, is he positive? I actually have a female oncologist. Okay. Um, and she had visited me. I was in the hospital for 10 days after my neutrophils went down. I just wasn't getting better mm-hmm. quick enough. So my chemotherapy was to be this Thursday and it was cancelled. It was supposed to be today. And then it's going on next week. So we were talking about changing my chemo because it's quite strong. I shouldn't have gotten as sick as I did. So I'm not sure if we're going ahead with the change next week, but we will alter it to suit me. And yeah, see, you're a very positive person. I expected when you know when we talk about somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer going through chemotherapy, you expect to see somebody coming in who's feeling. Well, I'm not saying feeling sorry for themselves. I oh, know you can say that because that a lot of but, the time that is what it is. No, 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 because that sounds really bad. But because of course we should feel sorry for people and have empathy for people ah, and, yeah. and understanding when they're in a bad situation. But somebody who was really unwell looking. But you're as bright as a bubble. <laughs> and you have a very positive outlook on yeah. this whole thing. And this is the reason, of course, that you wanted to talk to the media. I know you've been on TV and everything. What was it yeah. like being on television? Uh, fantastic. Were you mad excited? Uh, me and were gone. <laughs> oh, I was rattling, rattling I was. So, uh, no, it went really well. Like, Alan and Karen really, really calmed me down before I went on. Like that. Karen Coster and Alan Cantwell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Hughes. They're, Alan Hughes. Two of them are oh, phenomenal. Yeah, okay. They're great. But um, they sat down with me beforehand and they were like, just be yourself. Like, stop being so shaky. Well, I don't think you'd have to tell you that. You know what I mean? Because I normally would talk to 
to people before they come in here, but I knew immediately when I offered you a bowl of porridge earlier on <laughs> <laughs> that you were grand. The excitement. <laughs> the, yeah, good radio station, they offered me a bowl of porridge and a cup of coffee. Come here, I was delighted with myself. I'll take what I can give <laughs> But in saying that, I mean, you wanted to talk about it because it's something that we don't think about and that young girls and the girls in the office were talking about it this morning when we, yeah. when, we when they were talking about you coming in. That, that say, at Lena's age, she's uh, 29. She came if I forgot her age. Oh, 28, <laughs> there you go. Uh, she's 28 years of age. I'm sure Helena doesn't think of breast cancer. I'm sure, well, maybe she does actually because she got a bit of a scare about two yeah. years ago uh, after she got a smear, but everything thankfully is okay now. But she did get a bit of a scare. So maybe that kind of does make her think a bit more about it. But young girls think that's not for me. That's for older women. I shouldn't be checking my breasts. There's no need for me to be to do it. And it's quite easy to do. Is it something that we should be teaching young girls in school? Oh my God, absolutely. Like that should be in like that sex education when you get it in school. We learn nothing about that, even as far as the female anatomy. It's almost like they're afraid to teach it. It's it is. I know it's a touch. It's all right to touch it, like yeah, like, it's okay to touch a boob. You have to yeah. know your body, yeah, and you do. That is one thing that they have to teach young girls is that you have to kind of. I know it's a bit much, but you have to explore yourself and know you're normal and know what is what right feels and wrong. abnormal. Yeah, so if something me? feels different that so you can do know. something about it. Absolutely. But in saying that, Carly, you felt something different, and you ignored it. Yeah, because was, because of your age, isn't it? Yeah. it? It's just because we don't expect to hear it. Yeah, see, I didn't even know what I was looking at like that when the girl in school, her name was Shelley, she was a doll, but she was older than me in school. And when she had said that to me, I'd never even thought about that before. And like that, you start to get your girls, they come on you. And then yeah. obviously our chest changes and different times of the month you are going to feel different. Mm-hmm. So it's all just like that learning about yourself and how you're going to be so yeah. I didn't think about that before until Shelley had brought that up to me yeah. that she was getting the pains and it might be breast cancer that was the first time that I had ever even known anything about that yeah that was just something that happened to somebody else yeah yeah, yeah but, but most illnesses we, we, we feel like that we always when we hear of people with illnesses we always think that's something that happens to somebody else until it happens to ourselves yeah. and that's really the hard part so what we need to do is educate people, particularly young girls. I mean, I'm, look, we've had a lot of exposure with cervical cancer recently, of yeah. course, because of a lot of the, the scandal, disaster, yeah. scandal that happened. Um, and, you know, I think girls are very conscious of it now, even though the test may not be as reliable as they should be. Uh, the girls are very conscious about going for a smear test. It's just vital that you do it. And we did yeah. actually, we had a young girl in the studio here uh, going back about two years ago who was 23, I think, and she had cervical cancer, which again was very, very young. It's extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, it can happen. Absolutely, you're open to anything. This is the thing. That's why they need to lower the ages on both the smears and the, sc- the breast screenings. Okay, so the screening at the moment is 50 years 50 of age. 50 years of age. So if you're a, a girl of 35 or 25 or 40 and you feel a lump or you're a bit suspicious about something, you can't get a free screening. No, you can't. Absolutely not. Like, you'll be charged through the hilt a lot of the time. Oh, you don't even have to feel anything, by the way. It's a good idea just to go for screening every oh, yeah. now and again. Uh, yeah, Just to check up on yourself and keep up with yourself like that. When I turned 25, I went straight away from my smear. But the only thing is, I probably wouldn't have until this happened to me because I'd just be dumbfounded by anything happening to me so young. So when I got the breast cancer, that was when I turned 25. Then on the 18th of October, I said, I'm going straight for that smear because mm-hmm. I need because to know Because you're conscious right of that body. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm conscious of all of it now. Like if I feel like I need to go to the doctor now, like I won't put it off. If I yeah. feel sick, I'm going put to the it doctor. Off. I used to put it off. I'm not as bad as I used to be. Yeah. But I was one of those people who got a, oh, that's a bit of a pain there. I shouldn't really have that. Yeah. I'd be grand. I'll leave it for two weeks and see what happens. Do you get me? Because yeah. you're, obviously you have your own life. You have your own stuff to do. Going to the doctor is probably a bit of a pain for you time-wise. And then a lot of the time in Ireland at the minute, money-wise, it's going oh, to be a problem for money. people. Yeah. So people are just like, ah, oh, no, I don't need to go. It's only this. But 
You don't know. Like, yeah, and I know for a woman who wants to go for a screening who doesn't come into the criteria of being age, under the age of 50, mm-hmm. you have to pay you then. If you want to go, pri- well, you'll wait three or four months yeah. to go to a hospital. Yeah. Or if you want to go privately, if you're a bit worried about something that you felt you want to go privately, you'll pay probably 250, 300 for yeah, a consultant. Yeah, hundreds. And then you'll obviously pay for the, the thing, unless you've some sort of health insurance, you're going to pay for the screening itself. So it could cost you a grand. Yeah. Easy, you know, easy money. Just for a diagnosis to stop them, stop it, stop you costing the state more money in the future. That's the thing. Which is essentially what it's about. So, I so mean, it would benefit them in the long of run. Of course taking, it would, yes. Taking the ages down. I don't see why they wouldn't want to do it. Like that they say. There's a cost action. factor to it. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But in saying that, I think we would recoup the cost in the amount of lives that we'd save and the amount of, I suppose, necessary surgery we might have to do in the future. Yeah. This is the thing. Like the hospitals are packed out as it is. You could just take the trouble off if you brought it down and like that early detection this is on the breast check website early detection will give you a better chance as of course solving it yeah so why how is early detection at 50 years of age when the average life expectancy of a woman in Ireland is 81 years of age how is 50 early that's yeah. what I want to know it's more oh, yeah, than half yeah. of your life of course yeah you need two thirds into your life yeah. how is that early yeah, no, it's not. And I know they're, ba- they're basing this on the risk factor. The majority of women who do get breast cancer are usually over the age of 50. So they are basing it on risk factor. Uh, but it does come down to money. Yeah. Uh, that they need to extend this particular age limit right down. What age would you have it at? Sorry? What age would you put it to? 18? Mm, I'd like that. I'd like 18 to 20. That would be ideal compared to now, what it is now. I, kn- I know the argument for the smear under the age of 25 is, is that women's cervical cells change. Change, but, but they change yeah, anyway. Yeah. They continue to change all the time. So yeah. I don't see why that'd be a factor. Yeah. I think it's a silly excuse of a thing. Like we're constantly changing. Our bodies are constantly changing. So I don't see why. Well, look, we couldn't start now is the right time to be talking about this. We have an election coming up. This is the thing. Um, there's candidates out there looking for votes. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, obviously, the cervical cancer is certainly going to be on the cards for this election because of what happened over the last the last government, yeah. um, which are still there, by the way, but at the moment. Um, but um, this is something else that we should je- absolutely be talking about because this could turn into another scandal in 10 years' time. This is the thing. The women are getting younger and younger. The more women I meet now going through this journey myself, like, they're all under 50. I think I've met about two women over 50 that were mm-hmm. diagnosed with breast cancer. The rest of them are under. Yeah. So I I just can't, I'm baffled by the fact that it's not even put out as an issue. Like, it's not brought up in schools that it could be a possibility. It's not brought up when you go to your doctor's home, make sure you check your chest. Nobody tells anybody under 50 to bother. No. It's literally alien to people under 50 because the health service just doesn't put it out there as a thing. It's not a lesson that young girls need to know. Mm-hmm. It is, it's just, it's frightening. Okay, well look, so education is the key in schools. Young girls should be taught how to check their breasts as well, yeah. apart from anything else. And over 18, they should be able to get a free screening if they want to. Yeah. Uh, obviously not every week, but they, should, no, be, no, no, <laughs> but they no. should be entitled to a free screening once every so many years or whatever yeah. it happens to be. And the same will go for cervical checks as well, as you believe it should be under 25. I think it's something that the government should certainly look at. Um, I don't believe it would be a waste of taxpayers' money. Uh, I think it would be essential. And apart from anything else, money shouldn't matter when we're talking about the health of women, in particular when we're talking about this particular issue. And we could talk about prostate cancer for men as well yeah. in relation to that that certainly should be something as well that we should be talking about in the future but how are you feeling now what's your headspace like headspace is good the headspace is actually the best it's mm. been in donkey's years I yeah. have to say like like that I suffered with mental health in the time I was 16 and I would have really struggling with my thoughts and trying to get my head together and stuff and since I've been diagnosed it's like everything is it, are you appreciating away. life more oh is that what it is oh my god I'm appreciating absolutely 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 <laughs> everything I am I'm appreciating everything because what I've had in front of me the whole time is what I should have been appreciating. Like like I was saying earlier on, like I used to cry if I was going on a night out and my makeup didn't turn out right. 
Whereas now those things are just not important. Well, I'm lucky to get to go on the night out. Do you get me? Like, I don't I see why I didn't look at things that way now. And like, that, I have to that's family a, that's that a great analogy, by the way, that, to give that. And for a lot of young girls and guys, by the way, if you're going out, worrying about what you look like, worrying about how you feel when you go out. When there's so many people in this world who you have other things to worry yeah, about, which but are more important. You get to go. Do you know yeah. I like that? I have a roof over my head. I feel to eat. I have a family. Like a lot of people, it, you you have more than the majority of this world has. So mm. you just need to like that. Go back to basics. Start off from the start and think about all the little things that you have. And by the time like that, you're done looking down a list of things that you do have. You're you're gonna be so grateful by the end of it if you just stop yourself for a minute. How's and, your man, by the way? How's she now? Me, mammy. She'll never tell you if she is or isn't. Do you know that way? Like, is she, she listening now? I'd like to hope she is. <laughs> I'd like to hope so. I think she's actually out there. Is she always oh, out there? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, okay. But um, no, I'd like to think she's doing okay. Like, she's a very strong woman. Yeah. I think that's where I've gotten her from now. Whereas I would have been a whinger for a while and used to wind me mouth because she doesn't do crying. Right, Crying's okay. not done in my house. <laughs> right, okay. So, yeah, she's quite a strong woman. So I think especially now with how I'm feeling, she's so proud because I went from being this broken, sad little person that would have crying literally every day for a very long time. I was just so hurt. And I think she's just delighted now that things are after doing a 360 and yeah. I'm kind of getting horse strength now. So Well, look, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you and so I hope, um, and you will be in here talking to us again next year. We absolutely. And I, are you going to continue this campaign? Are you? Is this something that you want to campaign for? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're on to about 13,500 signatures at the minute. On okay, the where, can people, where, where can people sign that, that People petition? can sign that. It's Carly Mahadi on Instagram. The link is in my bio. And then if you go onto my Facebook, it's just Carly Mahadi. You can go onto the link there and sign the petition. A lot of people have shared it. It's okay. everywhere. You can actually go onto change.org. And you can well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, I get Alina to put a link. If you go to the Nile Boylan show, either the Twitter account or the Facebook account, we will put the link up there. Amazing. Yeah, and you can link straight to it from there, all right? If anyone doesn't remember all of that. Carla Mahadi, it's been absolutely wonderful talk. You're actually very inspirational, by the way. You, I know you don't know that, but you're a hugely inspirational person because you're so positive about somebody that something that could get so many people down. You're really, really positive about it. And I wish the best of luck. I really do. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, Carly. After the break, by the way, I do want to be asking you, by the way, should we abandon the rules for school children, by the way? Should we abandon the rules? By the way, what do you think of that? School children. School should children. should oh, they have well, to wear uniforms? What about earrings, piercings, tattoos, dyeing their hair, long hair, short hair, long hair for boys? Should we abandon all those old rules for school? I do think there has to be certain rules in place, but I think you should let kids be who they, they're going to be. Like that, I think if you kind of fight kids on what they want to do, you're just going to... So if Mary wants to go in with pink hair and a nose ring and, you know, and dress like a goth... I don't Should see she be what allowed? difference it makes to other people's education. I know they say it distracts kids, but everything but distracts that kids. Was, that was the reason it was brought in. It was to try and reduce bullying so yeah. every kid looked the same. Yeah. That was the reason. It hasn't everything. stopped bullying though, has it? No, it really hasn't. You're right. <laughs> uh, thanks, Carly. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.